The scripture today is out of Colossians 3, 12 through 17. As God's chosen, chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must forgive. Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teach and admonish one another in all wisdom, and with gratitude in your hearts sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs of God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. The word of God for the people of God. Some rather insightful men once wrote, all you need is love. Now, although they brought the concept into popularity through a catchy tune, shaggy hair, and apparently multicolored satin band uniforms, the Beatles were certainly not the first to bring this idea to light. We are in the season of Christmas, in celebration of the coming of the light of the world. We anticipate the life and ministry of the Christ child. As we celebrate his birth and spend time with our families, we are reminded of what it means to be a Christian, the virtues that Jesus Christ taught us, and what love actually looks like. All we need is love, but love comes with pieces. It comes with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. As we've been learning through our studies, many of the books of the New Testament are named for the recipients of the letters. Letters of encouragement, instructions, and sometimes chastisement. Colossians is one of those letters. It is quite possible that this letter was written by Paul toward the end of his life while in prison in Rome. Because the letter is so similar to both Philemon and Ephesians, we know that if Paul was not the actual writer of the letter, then it was one of his students that followed his teachings closely and wrote it on his behalf. The letter surfaced shortly after Paul's death in 65 CE, so it really could go either way. Initially, the letter was written to a group of people that had created their small town on, the river in Asia, on a river in Asia Minor. The name of that town was Colossae, located in what is now southwest Turkey. As Christianity had begun to spread out from the Middle East and into places like Africa and Asia and the various parts of the Roman Empire, the people of the town found themselves needing some instruction on how to adopt the virtues of Christian living and how to carry themselves in a new situation. They needed, to, needed guidance on how to integrate the Jewish laws and practices with those of a Christian way. And like so many of the time, and even us today, they needed help keeping a virtuous life when those around them seemed less than interested. 
the letter gets really into the meat of sanctification and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It shows how God works within us and through us. It flows from, a purely div- from the purely divine work of justification, where Christ's righteousness is attributed to us, and that is a work of grace alone. The metaphor that is used to set up the passage today is that of clothing. It is taking off the old coat, setting it aside, and putting on a new one. In that way, we cast off and cast aside who we were, our old self, a life filled with hate and malice. And we begin to live a new life in Christ, a life that follows the virtues of Christ, of compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. The change is not something that we keep to ourselves. It is not a state of mind. It is a change in the way we move throughout our day-to-day. It is how we change the way we interact with each other. When we put on our new coat, we put on Christ. And in that, we must forgive one another just as Christ has forgiven us. As followers of Christ's ministry, we are called to mirror his ability to forgive. When we are able to play out the virtues of Christ outwardly, it starts to change us in our hearts. And as we begin to treat others with the virtues of Christ, we become able to treat ourselves with that same respect. To use the idea of the new coat, you put it on and you become shielded from the cold and you begin to warm up inside. The chill subsides, and you can feel the warmth and comfort that your new coat allows you. The scripture that we are studying today is a pericope that is often used in weddings throughout the Christian world. When you read these words, it's easier to see where it fits well and how two people come together to make one unit, and how that unit can work like a well-oiled machine with few interruptions. But the message of the letter to Colossae is not a first-century call to civility. It is, a tact- it is tactical instruction on how to succeed at the mission that we are on as Christians. There is more than a functional purpose to being clothed with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience bearing with one another, forgiving each other, and binding ourselves to each other is not work for the faint of heart. It is not easy to look at some people in this world and remember the virtues of Christ. It is not easy to endure some of the terrible things that happen in your life and remember that you cannot fire back in kind. It takes discipline and hard work. The message of the letter to Colossae is not conflict, avoidance, advice. It is not about putting on a happy face and finding the silver lining. This is about what to do when bare-knuckled emotional brawls break out. I know that none of you have ever found yourself in such a situation, so allow me to elaborate with this mild example. 
Once upon a time, there was a 20-year-old college student called Maggie. Maggie was home from school visiting for Mother's Day. Now, Maggie's mother was not always the most easygoing person to be around, and Maggie often found herself already on edge whenever the two of them were around each other. She was just waiting for her mother to say or do something that could be construed as offensive or uncaring. For years, simple comments from either side would often erupt in volatile speech and often actions toward one another. The tensions were so high that it was only a matter of time before there was an explosion. And Mother's Day was that day. As with most conflicts that have been blown way out of proportion, the cause of the explosion is not remembered, and it's not terribly important. But the words that had become so hurtful and the actions so unfavorable that Maggie decided to leave leave for school several hours before she had planned. As Maggie put her bags together and made the house look like she had never set foot in it that weekend, she was seething. She couldn't wait to get out of the house. She was so angry and hurt by the years of fighting. But as she packed, she realized that if she walked out of that house under those circumstances, there was a good chance she would never speak to her mother again. She started to play through all the scenarios that might happen if she walked out without so much of a goodbye. She started to think about what life would be like not being able to have a relationship with her mother. She started to wonder how she would feel if the last words her mother ever heard her say were words of anger and severe frustration. She actually went as far as getting into the car before she turned herself around. She walked back into the house and told her mother that she wasn't leaving until this was resolved. The resolution took so long that Maggie left for school at her regularly scheduled time, but that didn't matter. The resolution happened, and it opened up a possibility for a better relationship. The power of the words, I'm sorry, when they are said with sincerity, and when they are followed by a real and honest attempt to correct a behavior, are beyond powerful. When someone is treated with the virtues of Jesus Christ, they are able to calm down. They are able to realize that they do not need to be on high alert. With the sincerity that comes with those virtues, trust can rebuild. Sometimes it feels like we live in a culture that barely tolerates kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. These qualities are neither honed nor honored among perceived history makers. These qualities are often perceived as weakness by those who do not truly understand their power. People stand behind these qualities as they wear the badge of Christianity, but when it comes down to actions, the badge of these qualities gets tarnished. People hide behind their faith as though it gives them free reign to treat others any way they please. They feel that it is their duty to belittle, misinterpret, and harass those who have a differing view. 
These people may very well believe in the saving grace of Jesus Christ, but they have not yet changed their coats. These virtues of Christ are not a sign of weakness, but of power beyond measure. It really is easy to see why this passage is used in so many weddings. Of the two that I have done, I am running at about a 50% tally. It is about relationships, and there are a few relationships that are more important than that between spouses. But the passage goes beyond just a newly married couple learning to navigate life with two, schedule, with two schedules and two sets of traditions. This passage gives us key insights into the theory and practice of a Christian transformation. Conflict is going to arise in our lives. It is, a matter, it is not a matter of if, but a matter of when. Fear is a major component when it comes when, to making a conflict so explosive. Conflict resolution through the virtues of Jesus Christ is something that everyone can learn and put into practice. When we run into conflict, two common responses are fight or flight, but the virtues of Jesus give us a third option. Practicing these virtues within the family of faith may be the very best training for the work of reconciling in the larger world. Dealing with conflict is part of our spiritual formation. It is not just something we play at or work on during our spare time. Compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience can be among the hardest things to remember, especially in a busy life. Forgiveness of the past and, of course, love round out the rough edges that we find ourselves in. Jesus Christ has taught us that these virtues become easier and easier to not only apply, but to accept as we practice them. Practice leads to habits and muscle memory. It gets formed so that the word of Christ comes not only to visit, but to dwell. Through these virtues, we can build each other up to a place much higher than where we were found. With the virtues of Jesus Christ at the center of our lives and our hearts, we become unstoppable. So no matter what we are going through, no matter what we encounter, the virtues of Jesus Christ will see us through. Amen.